Don't get too caught up in trying to advance and only focusing on your career. Think about what matters most for you in life. In my view, success is not the position you have, or the power you have, or your wealth. Yeah. And so are you defining success correctly? Are you living by the yeah. values throughout your career process? How can you be content and satisfied in where you are today while still striving for the future? Yeah. How do you think about prioritizing relationship and your health outside of work as you look to progress in your career? Yeah. And thinking about where your true meaning and identity in life comes from. Hey everybody, welcome to the Product Marketing Life podcast brought to you by the Product Marketing Alliance. I'm Colin Majak, PMM at Daytaro, and he, today I'm here with the one and only Grant Duncan, VP of Marketing at HST Pathways and my longtime friend. Grant, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Colin. Yeah, man. I'm really grateful you chose to come on. I, I wanted to have you on as one of my first guests for two reasons. One, just selfishly because we've been friends for a really long time. And you were one of the first people to encourage me to break into product marketing and make that jump. But two, I think your career arc is one that a lot of product marketers can learn from because while you're a VP of marketing now, your start kind of earlier in your career was in product marketing. And I would love to unpack some of that for our listeners who would maybe see themselves on a similar journey someday. So thanks for making the time. Yeah. Well, grateful for our friendship. So Kind of just to get things started, can you give a little bit of an overview of your career so far and how you got to where you are? Sure. I started my career in consulting at Slalom Consulting and then transitioned to being a product marketing manager at 8x8. At the time, it was about a thousand person public SaaS company. So on the smaller side for a public company and was there for about three and a half years, got promoted to senior product marketing manager while there as well. During my time there and my nights and weekends, I also worked on some side projects like starting a nonprofit that got up to about 15 volunteers and interns. Also worked on a mobile app with a friend for flight deals. Um, and when I was at 8x8, had a, a great boss and a team to work with. But after about three and a half years at 8x8, I was fortunate to make a career jump to become the VP of marketing for a Series B software startup called Vox Implant. After there, I switched to a different VP of marketing job for a Series A SaaS startup called Zingtree. And after Zingtree, I came to my current role at HT Pathways as the VP of marketing. HST is a Bain Capital private equity-backed SaaS company, uh, and I lead marketing and sales development for us. So really enjoying my current role and where we're headed as a company. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for giving that, that picture. I mean, a couple of things stand out. Three and a half years in a PMM seat jumping to VP of marketing. Like that's a, that's a fast jump for most people. Like I feel like I, I don't often see that jump quickly. What would you attribute to opening that door? I, I would say that when I was at 8x8, I did things to gain experience outside of product marketing by taking on additional projects with partner marketing and demand gen and starting up some new programs there. So I was trying to gain more experience than just product marketing to be more well-rounded there. And I also gained experience through some of the side projects that I mentioned I worked on in nights and weekends. So my skill set was broader than 
a standard senior PMM. But I'd also say as a, um, you know, this comes from my my personal views and others maybe disagree, but as a person of faith, I also view the career leapfrog from senior PMM to VP primarily as a blessing and favor from God and not just from my own actions. Yeah, that, that makes that makes a lot of sense. So, I mean, it sounds like you saw a value in early on branching out of product marketing, but starting other projects and a nonprofit and even at your own your own product. When along the way did you decide that rather than continue to climb the ranks in PMM, because I, I think there's a lot of opportunity in larger companies to go from a senior PMM to maybe a director of product marketing to maybe even a VP of product marketing. When did you decide that you wanted to go more into just a broader VP of marketing role rather than continue to climb the PMM ranks? Yeah, I knew early on that long-term I'd want to become a CMO and or a CEO. And I did think that as you were talking about the path for me to get there would be climbing the traditional PMM ladder and that at some point I'd be able to go from, let's say, director or VP of product marketing to VP of the whole marketing team, maybe at a smaller size company um, to start. And so thankfully I was able to do that just at a quicker pace than I'd initially um, expected to do so. Yeah. And, you know, some people, they would prefer to be that VP or SVP of product marketing or portfolio marketing at a larger company. For me, I found that being in a startup or mid-market size company, leading all of marketing would be more enjoyable to me as I could kind of have purview over all of marketing. And so if one area was lacking, that I could help make a difference there as well, rather than have to rely on other teams that maybe weren't optimized as they should be. Yeah. You know, to me, that sounds somewhat consistent with what I think drew me to product marketing. What I've liked about it is that it does force you to touch a lot of the go-to-market function. Like most, most time you have to have like your hand in the sales world and think about CS and adoption. Yeah. And you're also thinking about the product. And so I think that skill set of being able to see the full funnel and think about that rather than niching down in product marketing, that appeal totally. makes sense. Now, I feel like a lot of VP of marketing and CMOs, they come up through demand gen. That that could be maybe a false observation, but my my observation is a lot of them come through demand or more of like a marketing generalist background. Um, but you you made that jump from senior PMM to VP. So how do you think that foundation of product marketing kind of being to that T-shaped marketer idea, like your your downward T for a long time was product marketing? How do you think that shaped how you operate and think as a VP of marketing compared to someone from maybe a demand background? Yeah, I agree with you that generally speaking, many VPs of marketing and CMOs come from demand gen or product marketing. And at some point, you are going to likely need experience in both areas, at least in some capacity. But to your to your point around how has the foundation of um, product marketing helped me uh, in my current type of role. I think it's so important. Broadly speaking, I sum up marketing's role in two buckets. One, to tell a compelling differentiated story, very much aligned to what product marketing does. And two, yeah. grow pipeline and revenue. 
And really all parts of marketing can help drive that. And so that big one, that first one is really a product marketing job. Yeah. And so it's really elevated in my mind because I've seen firsthand how important of a role product marketing is. If, for instance, if you're telling a bad story, you could do a ton of amazing demand generation work, but it's yeah. probably not going to resonate and people won't be interested. So you've yeah. got to get the product marketing fundamentals right. Yeah. There's also smaller ways that my PMM background shines through still. For instance, I've made it a quarterly goal that every team member on my team speak with our ICP or listen to gong calls with our ICP a certain number of times per quarter. Typically the range is five to 10 per person per quarter. So once every week or two. And then during our weekly team meeting, I have a dedicated session where we have a few people share insights from those ICP conversations uh, with the rest of the team. I I really want all of us to be staying close to the customer and cross-pollinating the learnings across the team, which is a core type of thing that product marketers do regularly. But how do we expand that kind of mindset to everyone? Yeah, I feel like that feels like a perfect example of how someone with a product marketing background, if if they had their moment of like, if I could make, wave my magic wand and I was in <laughs> charge of marketing, I would make everyone listen to customer calls or something like that. So yeah, that's yeah. I mean, it's really consistent with kind of the heartbeat of product marketing is having that that pulse on the customer and listening to listening to customer calls and gathering insights from them rather than making, you know, funnels in a kind of in isolation. You know, you mentioned earlier, I think that that split of how you're just summing up marketing on like a one hand telling a compelling differentiated story. And then that second arm being generating pipe, generating pipeline and revenue. I think, yeah, you're spot on most product marketers. That first, first half feels like second nature. Like that's what we do. We're thinking about story and messaging. What would be your advice to a product marketer who's struggling to strengthen that pipeline side of their side of their skill set, or uh, have a, a clearer tie to revenue? Do you have anything that you feel like helped you start growing in that area? I've done a lot of learning on my own time through books and podcasts, and so that's an area that I'd really encourage others to explore as well. Yeah, The Refine Labs team has a lot of great content around pipeline and demand gen in a more modern perspective. So that's a good place to start with their Revenue Vitals podcast. But yeah. there's a number of other resources that, that people could consider. I'd also encourage someone to become more familiar with how the pipeline is trending on a weekly basis. How many requests did you get? How many ops were created? the op size, um, you know, how's that turning into bookings or ARR? Yeah. Becoming more familiar with those metrics can can also be a good step into that direction. And then if there's opportunities and you can apportion it within your workload, I think taking on projects at your main job in other areas is a great way to start to build skills um, in other areas too. Yeah. I think that's a good piece of advice. I mean, the podcast one, I couldn't agree more. I've, when I was first even getting my start in product marketing, for me, like Refine Labs was a great resource for, I think, all things 
demand and just thinking about pipeline and revenue. And then I was leaning into resources like this very podcast for my specific discipline, those like product marketing centered podcasts. Yeah, that's, that's huge. And I think it's really easy for product marketers to try to niche down on the things that feel like, oh, this is product marketing, but, you know, having, thinking about leads, that's not product marketing or thinking about our, um, you know, our purchase rate, that's not product marketing. And perhaps that does a disservice to actually keeping product marketers well-rounded when they niche down almost too hard. Yeah. I think there's something to be, something to be said for that. Yeah. In some ways, I think what you're hitting on is like, how do you, how do you tie it to the larger business goals and how do you yeah. relate your work to that too, which is yeah. valuable. Okay. So there's, there's been a take swirling around that I want your thoughts on. So you may know Tamara Graminski from PMM camp, her backgrounds at Kajabi and Unbounce. And Tamara has made an argument recently that product marketers shouldn't be thought of as the next CMOs, but instead as future CEOs or chief strategy officers, chief product officers, but really trying to make this case that the line from product marketing to CMO or VP of marketing uh, should be challenged. That, that's, that's not, that shouldn't be the default setting. You, however, are in my mind, an obvious example who has made that jump from product marketing to VP and probably a future CMO role in the future, in the not too distant future, uh, really effortlessly and has excelled in that. So like, what's, what's your, your take on that position? Could you make a case for, uh, of sorts for, that path from PMM to CMO? Yeah, I mean, I'd suggest that the path be personalized to the, the individual's desires for their career. For some people that might be going, hey, I, I wanna become the chief product officer. And so then you can align how to get there based off of that. For others, taking on additional uh, marketing responsibilities could be the right path based on their interests. That that was mine. Depending yeah. on the area, there are likely additional skill sets that will need to be developed to get there. So the path to CMO, like we were just talking about, having demand gen chops is also going to be a common thing that you'll need to, to have. If you're shooting for a chief product officer, there's going to be more product development and road mapping and sprint management skills that you'll likely need to develop. And so depending on the path, the, that will inform the skills to, to try to help get there. One of the yeah. things that I ask each person on my team to go through is to fill out this career development template that I have. And it's intended to help them see where they want to go in the short term and the long term and the kind of path to help them get there. And I'd hope a conversation like that, as they go through it and then speak with their manager about it, is what could help determine if they want to be a CMO or a CPO or another role based on their interests and uh, skill sets. Yeah. I mean, one, just kudos to you. I feel like I don't often hear of leaders who are taking time to think about their employees' career path, even outside of their current role. I think a lot of times there's just a value on what do you deliver in your current role and you're kind of left on your own. I think product marketers in particular, there's often kind of left figuring out like what's what's my path and we look at resources 
outside of our work to try to figure that out. But for those who are listening and for whom that might be the case, could you kind of take us through some of those questions that you're having your team ask or people that you've mentored uh, ask themselves to kind of get clear on on their career path? Yeah, sure. So there's four parts to this employee career development template. And this was originally developed by Keiko to Dakota from a previous team, and she's allowed me to to share it publicly and bring it to other companies since. So yeah. I didn't, uh, I can't take all the credit for it, but happy to go through it. So cool. there's four parts to it: about you, your target career path, a personal SWOT analysis, and an action plan. The about you section, four questions: What do you love about what you do? What are you doing that you don't like? What are you passionate about? Whose career do you admire? Trying to tease out where some of your strengths are. Could you you say those four again? Those were really, I think those are really helpful to even just for those listening to make note of. Could you say those? Yep. What do you love about what you do? What are you doing that you don't like? What are you passionate about? Whose career do you admire? Yeah, I I like that last one in terms of for product marketers in particular, thinking about that question of, do you want to be a CMO or do you want to be, you know, a VP of product or a chief strategy officer? That can be such a helpful indicator of like, oh, when I watch this person do their work, like that's when I feel inspired. That could be a really good early indicator of which, which path you want to explore. All right. Well, yeah. those kind of four reflection questions. And then what was the second, second part of it? Yep. So then your target career path, where do you want to be in your career in six months? Or do you want to be in your career in 12 months? in two to five years, and what's your end goal for your career? So this helps individuals think through, where do I ultimately want to get to? And then what are some of the intermediate steps that I would see as goals for myself? Yeah. And the next section is around a personal SWOT analysis. So what are your strengths in pursuing your career path? The one that you just outlined. What are your weaknesses in pursuing your career path? What are your opportunities and what are your threats? Yeah. For, you know, the, the threats one is always the most, in, like one of the more interesting parts of a, of a SWOT analysis, I think, because you don't want to feel too, too gloomsday. Have you found any, I, I mean, you, I know you tend to mentor people on the side. You take, you've been in yeah. some ways a mentor to me and have helped me along the way. Do you have any threats that you've seen are consistently popping up in keeping marketers and product marketers from getting where they want to go? It's an interesting question. As I think back to answers I've seen people share, I think they're largely personal threats um, around around specific things for that individual rather than um, like broad, broad strokes um, or company specific items. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. That makes sense that most time the thing that keeps us from advancing is inward rather than outward. It's easy to blame like, oh, well, I could advance if, you know, the CEO just got product marketing or if, you know, like if my boss actually made the time to draw out where I want to go or if there weren't so many work politics, but observing like what about how I show up actually hinders me from getting where I want to go. That's that's super helpful. Yeah. And of course, there are going to be some situations where there is that work specific thing. Like you said, maybe it's a really disengaged boss. But at that point, hopefully 
you're questioning, should you even be at that job still, if that's the case? Yeah. I mean, that, that'd be the hope. I think people often think about leaving jobs for more base level things like, oh, am I getting, could I get paid more? Uh, you know, are the benefits good? That sort of thing. But thinking more about does my leadership actually help me reach my career goals? Are they invested in a way that could uh, actually help me get there is a helpful question to lean in on. Yeah, totally. And then the last question here in the action plan section is what will you do to make progress on your career and by when, especially in the context of reviewing it with someone, this can be helpful to, to document next steps together. Yeah. Have you found that you needed to go outside of work often to do that for yourself? Earlier in my career, yes. I, I did find that to be the case. Now, uh, not not the case anymore. But I think kind of going back to what you were just saying, a lot of that's going to depend on your manager and your company. If yeah. you have opportunities to grow and expand at your current role, then that's probably going to be one of the best ways to do that. Yeah, that's that's so helpful. I think I want to... I have other things I want to ask you about, and I want to have you flex your PMM muscles in a second here. But I think one one last question on that note I'd love to ask is, how would you, as you're, like, imagine being a product marketer, thinking about their next role, or someone who wants to break into product marketing, do you have any sort of questions that you would ask or anything you would look for to be a leading indicator that, hey, this this leader understands product marketing and maybe will be that kind of advocate for me, that person that'll that'll help me develop uh, and reach the goals that I want to reach. From a, a manager perspective in general, thinking about how they're looking to invest in you and the kind of advice they're giving to you, I think is a great, a great first step to consider. Are you getting feedback? Are you talking about an action plan for things to work on together? Do you feel like you're getting expanding opportunities on new projects, whether that's within product marketing or other areas you want to expand into. Those are some key ones that come to mind first. Yeah. And part of your question is around assessing their product marketing knowledge. I think, you know, depending on the company size and the team and role, you will likely get varying levels of product marketing experience. And it's up to you to decide in a given role, whether that's a one you're considering or your current one, how much knowledge do you want to be learning from your manager in that area? Colin, you and I talked about this when you were considering different jobs before, yeah. and there were varying levels of, of knowledge between the different roles you were considering. And so I think that's a personal question based on where you're at in your career. Like how much learning do you want to come through your manager versus through your own experience and through projects? So hard for me to give a, a blanket answer there, but if you were just trying to pry and see um, to assess their knowledge of product marketing, you could ask the types of questions that come up on this podcast or other yeah. product marketing alliance things. Simple ones could be, how do you think about positioning? How do you think about storytelling? Do you have a competitive intelligence framework you like yeah. to use? Various questions like that. Yeah. Rather than taking them to task on, do you think that today's product marketers could be CMOs? Awesome. Yeah. Extremely helpful, Grant. And I think your, yeah, your note about where you're at in your career is so significant there. There are times where, particularly early in your career, 
it might be worth sacrificing a little bit of pay or sacrificing the title to really zero in on making sure you have a leader who you're going to learn from and who you want to learn from and who you'd want to emulate your career afterwards. Like that, that trade-off can be a no brainer. And there are other times where you've, you've had, you've kind of earned your stripes, you've gotten to learn a lot and you get to play more of just the pure contributor role. And you're, it's less of about having someone develop you. Um, I think just knowing where you're at can be a really helpful guiding light in that. All right. I want to start a corner. Let's, let's flex those product marketing muscles uh, and, I, I don't think they've grown rusty because I follow you on LinkedIn and the stuff you post about. Um, but you have a super useful messaging and positioning framework that I know you've used at a couple of companies now that I imagine you've used it at HST, um, used it at Zingtree before and came out with a really clear positioning and messaging for Zingtree. Could you walk us through that framework? Yeah, happy to. I'll mention before jumping into it that a lot of this is not revolutionary. It's a combination of different people's ideas on on what can be helpful for positioning and messaging. My approach is to try to keep it simple and to make it more actionable. So instead of making a really long doc um, that only gets looked at by product marketing, how do we make this so that others could use this as well? Yeah. Um, so the there's a framework with these different sections that I like to include. First one is around having a one-liner positioning statement. The idea being when someone asks you, what is blank, your product name, you could tell someone, say these exact words and memorize them. So yeah. for instance, uh, Twilio Flex is the world's most flexible contact center platform. And in the guide, you may wanna break down why you choose certain words as well. Yeah. But having it down to a, a one line version, it makes it so people can actually say this. Yeah. Next one I have in the template is a two to three sentence description is kind of building on the, the one liner to, to have more info in that. Yeah. This comes up where when you're writing um, content, you can use the, the longer version in, in some areas. Yeah. Again, trying to keep it actionable here. What even next those, section? Go ahead. Uh, I may just like those two alone would save so much headache for most product marketers. Like, cause I think how many of a, how many of us listen to that gong call or hear, like even watch like our CEO say something on like a panel or something like that. And the thing you want to reinforce their position is just repetition of that, that one liner, like that would go so far. Um, so that's super helpful. So one liner. Two to three sentences. Sorry, I interrupted you. Totally. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think the other thing that's helpful about it is the person, the prospect you're talking to, they're likely going to have to tell their boss or someone on their team what your company does. How do they, how do you make it short enough so they can get it correct as well? Having yeah. a succinct one-liner is a way to help that happen. Yeah, it's like stakeholder telephone. You're just like wanting to really make sure that like, yep. it's like this goes to your champion and then your champion goes to their team and their boss. And like, can you keep that message the same all the way through? Exactly. Yep. Next section is around differentiators and unique capabilities and benefits related to, to those. Um, you can think of this as similar to like a jobs to be done framework as well. Yeah. But the key thing is 
a lot of companies struggle with actually saying how they're different and what's unique about them. And so this explicitly calls it out so that you can you can market around those as well. Yeah. Yeah, that is such a gap, I feel like, for most most companies. Like you're looking at I you've probably seen this floating around LinkedIn, people have done it lately, where they take really vague header text and then yeah. you have to play this game of guessing who it's from. And it's like, well, this it could be Slack or it could be Teams. Who's to say? Because there's no like there's no nod to the thing that makes them stand out. Yep. And ideally your one-liner positioning statement has some of the differentiation infused in it as well. Next section is around uh, competition, but keeping it very brief. So the idea is when someone asks you, how is your product different from others? Say these two to three sentences and draft it out for a few competitors. This is really helpful for sales and sales development so that they don't have to think about how do I condense a one or two page battle card into a response when someone asks in that meeting, how are you different? Yeah, You're just saying, this is exactly what you can say. And in some cases, if it's a virtual meeting, they may actually just be able to have that up on the side <laughs> so they yeah. can... Uh, they can read it off. But keeping it two to three sentences and something that someone could actually say is really important there. Yeah. And in many cases, that's kind of all the competitive information you need. Sometimes later in deal stages, you're going to have to go really deep and compare. But for most, let's say, discovery calls, that's the level you need to go to. Yeah. Yeah. That's super helpful to have that kind of... It's almost... I've, I've heard it called like the the quick dismiss if you have a competitor that comes up, like here's the, here's like the quick thing you use that dismisses like the validity of that competitor over against your product. Like, Hey, this is yep. like, they may be great at this, but we actually excel here. And it's a quick way to essentially sidestep that, that competitor. Yep. Totally agreed. Uh, next one is a press release boilerplate. So even if you don't do boilerplates, you may put this at the bottom of blog posts for certain company announcements. If you are, a single product company, this is just the, the company's boilerplate as well. But having that documented is helpful when you need to pull that out. We personally don't do press releases anymore, but that's a whole other topic. Next one is tagline. Um, this is helpful when you think about web page copy. And then if, if the company just has one product, they're not multi-product, I find it helpful to include in the same positioning doc, the vision and mission of the company, if they have that. So it's yeah. all uh, readily available. So that's the, that's the template. You can see building all that out is not uh, a huge doc, but there's a lot of actionable components to it. Yeah. It's funny. It's one of those things that like, I think most product marketers would nod along and say like, oh yeah, none of that's like, like I, like I know, quote unquote, like to do those things. But if you actually pressed most of us, like, do you have this stuff written out for your company? And is it current? And is it reflecting of, is it something that everyone's on board with? That's where it starts to break down. Like either components are missing or not everyone's on board. Two two questions come to mind. One's a nuanced one. You had a section in there about like a one-liner and then a tagline. How are you differentiating? the? I find that those end up getting really blurred together, both in my head, but also as people talk about uh, how their messaging, how, how are you differentiating those two from each other? Yeah. So the way I think about the one-liner is you're choosing every single word very carefully. 
Um, and, and the tagline might be something a little more quippy or fun that you could okay. use on a, on a web page, um, or let's say in an email. Yeah. And you're, so I guess it's a little more playful and maybe like an alliteration if, if it fits, um, yeah. something like that. Whereas the, the one liner is like every word really matters. So trying to use examples of other companies to, to not just, uh, tout us. Um, so if we go back to that Twilio flex example, maybe they've changed this since, but the world's most flexible contacts on our platform. So you can see the world's most they're thinking about where we're putting ourselves as the top here and um, showing we're not just in the mix as everyone else. Yeah. Most flexible that is showing that it's not just like a standard SaaS tool. It's flexible with tool. You get to build things and change yeah. things up. It's like a lot of customization. Uh, yeah. which is different from a lot of competitors, a lot of others. It's like, here's your out-of-the-box thing. You don't change much. Yeah. And then Contact Center Platform, the idea being there, like, hey, they're trying to hit on the platform play and not just a small tool. So yeah. I've I've never worked for Twilio, but I think that example is a good one where they thought about each each word or group of words and how does that position you in the mind of someone else in a different way? Yeah. If think about it this way, if you were to um, have someone ask someone to think about a two by two in their mind of different car companies, and if I was to then say Ford, and I was to say Mercedes Benz, in your mind you're placing those in different quadrants because of different characteristics. Yeah. So how do you use your positioning to have people put you in the right quadrant that you want with the right axes. Yeah. So that's why the one-liner, like the words really matter and why I think tagline can be a little more fun. Yeah. And it seems like one-liner, they're trying to do different things. Like I think one-liner is trying to explain this is who we are and what our product is. Like this is, yeah, this is when, when someone thinks of us, this is what we want them to think. Where tagline, it almost is like an it's an impression. It's not how they would answer the question of what does Twilio do. It's it almost it starts to bleed into brand a little bit and like what's the kind of like feel you want your your audience to be left with when they think of you, or it can be more aspirational. Like it, it has the freedom to be that. I think it sounds like that one liner. You don't want to be hyper aspirational. You want to be tight positioning, clear on what makes you different. And like the quick answer to that question of what do you guys do? Yeah. That's super helpful. Um, last question on this. And then I have some, some closing questions, but you, uh, you, you, made, you said that line earlier about you want to avoid making that, that really long messaging doc that then no one reads, which I met, I, have, I felt this like, Oh, cause that that's happened to me. And I'm sure it's happened to a lot of <laughs> marketers. Same. What about the format of this or what maybe even advice do you have to, hey, you have this product marketer who builds out their messaging. It's beautiful. They've listened to customer calls. It represents their competitive differentiators, all that. What advice do you have to make sure it doesn't just kind of drift off into Google Drive, no man's land? Yeah, it definitely can be tempting to have that happen, especially if it's not uh, consistently updated. So I'd say keeping it updated every 
three to six months, depending on your company and product updates is a uh, competitive landscape is helpful. Spending time with the rest of your marketing team to, to go through it, like maybe do a training with them about it. Yeah. I think that could be helpful depending on your company size. You might even be able to do this with the whole company. I've yeah. done that before. And, and then you're getting everyone thinking similarly there. Yeah. If you have someone that focuses on sales enablement and sales training, working with them to create a course in the LMS for sales yeah. or some kind of meeting to discuss this can be another helpful way so that they're thinking about this, they're aware of the competitor sections and such. Those would be a few that, that come to mind. Cool. And I would imagine this format lends itself to being a being a slide deck because it's not it's not terribly long as you could make it a visually in a more digestible format too which just helps it's yeah whether like it or not people like slide decks they just <laughs> they tend to respond well to them um, yeah we we keep the core document in a in a word doc but what i have done is turn it into slides before as a way to um educate the rest of the team or company about it and share some of the factors for how we got here and why it's helpful for them. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for that deep dive. That was, I mean, it's clear that you, uh, your product marketing muscles are still strong, still trained. <laughs> uh, I have just one final question. You know, I shared at the top of the episode that you were one of the first people who really encouraged me to dive into product marketing. At, at the time I was a project manager on a marketing and product marketing team. And I think I said something to the effect of, yeah, you know, I'd love to make the jump into a marketing role someday, maybe maybe in a couple of years. And you said, your response was very simple, but I remember it very clearly. You said, why not do it now? And that just that simple question, like gave me the courage to like go after it. And I landed my first PMM role probably a month or two later. Now uh, there, I imagine for those who are listening, there are a lot of opinions out there on how to either break into product marketing or um, how to climb the ranks and move to like a VP or CMM role, CML role. So what would you say to someone who is in one of those two spots? Like what piece of advice would you give them if they're either, hey, I want to land my first product marketing role or I want to start moving myself forward to be that VP or CMO someday? What advice would you give someone like that? For someone looking to break into their first PMM role, I believe you're at a better spot to give advice on that as you absolutely crush that transition and how you went about the process um, with LinkedIn That's posts and networking and such. So I would love to hear your answer, but some of the things that I recall suggesting to you was around networking, posting on LinkedIn and personalizing it to the company when applicable, engaging in different relevant communities, doing more learning through books and podcasts, setting up job alerts, tailoring your resume. And I think you did all of those, but there was probably even more that you did. So I'd be curious, what what else would you add here? All right. Yeah, I, I see your reverse, reverse interviewing and I will allow it just on this question. <laughs> yeah, I think there are a lot of, if I had to boil it down to two or three things, I think one, um, for me being being active on LinkedIn went a really long way. And if you look at the content I post 
now versus the content I posted a couple of years ago, like it's gotten a lot better, but there is still just a value in continuing to articulate and talk about the, um, what you believe with regards to the field you're trying to break into. So I was talking about product marketing as I was trying to break into product marketing. And I was just taking nothing terribly original. Like I was taking stuff from Martina Lachenko and Richard King here at PMA and uh, April Dunford and just like regurgitating it with my own take on it. But LinkedIn has played a role in me getting th all three of my last product marketing roles. So like, I, I can't downplay that enough. Yeah. I think for, I think two, uh, the second thing I would think of is for me, I broke in because I knew the industry. And so rather than just saying, I want to become a product marketer, I, my background is in the nonprofit and church space. Like I, my first product marketing role was at a company that built tech for churches and nonprofits of which I used to be their ICP. And so that knowledge of the customer base played like a huge role in me actually breaking in. Um, yeah, it's a great call out. And I, yeah, I think for, for people who are looking, if you just try to go broad and you're like, oh, I'm a real estate agent, but I don't want to become a product marketer. Like that's, a, that's I don't know why I reached for that one, but I reached for that one. Uh, then you should probably look at like real estate tech or like you should probably like start where you're like, you know, it can go really deep on that ICP. Yeah. And then I think ultimately, I mean, this is close to LinkedIn, but just networking. I mean, I someone took it for most of us. You don't break into a new career without someone taking a chance on you. And you up the chances of that if you're connecting with people and really working within your network. But well, the one that I can't, no one can ask me for advice on is becoming a VP of marketing someday. Could you like, so let's take someone like me, who's a product marketer now wants to become a VP of marketing or CMO. What would your advice be there? Yeah. Well, I love your, your advice for someone breaking in for getting to um, be VP of marketing. Some things that come to mind. Some of these we've talked about already. Do a great job in your current role so that you get the opportunity to expand beyond your your current job description. And that will give you the opportunity to expand your experience. And maybe if you have a bad boss and you can't ex expand your experience at your current job, consider starting a, a nights or weekend side project or something yeah. like that so that you can get the experience elsewhere ideally though it's coming from your main job as that's a lot more tangible and uh, probably more impactful yeah second thing would be read and learn more marketing and business knowledge through podcasts books communities uh, for years now i've been consuming one to three hours of educational content per day. Um, wow. and that's a lot of content. I thought you were going to say per week, but then you said per day. That's a lot of content. Yeah. It's really helped me up my game. Uh, yeah. So you can imagine like that's a lot of knowledge that I'm uh, trying to take in. Uh, but yeah, it's, you've totally gotten it by now. I mean, in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. So Sorry, I interrupted I'm, you just in pure shock. Like that's a lot of content. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, consuming audio content is a great way to do that because you can do it when you're getting ready, cooking, working out, you know, et cetera. Um, but really, however you choose to do that, learning more is going to be a key part of that.
Yeah. Next one I'd suggest is uh, similar to what we were just talking about, posting on LinkedIn. And I'd suggest more of the approach of building in public, like your strategies, tactics, results, tangible advice. Not really trying to become an influencer, but becoming one where someone could look at your LinkedIn profile or maybe do this on a website and see like, wow, I see his thinking and philosophy. That's the kind of person that I'd want to hire. Yeah. It becomes much more tangible at that point. Yeah. You, you kind of get a free extension of your resume. Like, frankly, like totally. you do that. Yeah. I mean, in the past, and this kind of relates to the next one I'm suggesting too, is start getting interviewed on podcasts. If you can show that as well, it's another extension. I've done it where I've actually sent a podcast episode to the hiring manager before. And okay. now, because they listen to it, They've heard, it's essentially like getting another interview with, uh, with me because they just heard me talk for 45 minutes. Yeah. So whether it's LinkedIn or podcasts or both, that's a good way to help people see how you think and the results you've gotten. If you take more of a build in public kind of approach rather than a, a fluffy approach, yeah. um, could be helpful. Yeah. And you've done that really, really well, like where you've consistently been. I feel like I have a pulse on like what you did at Zingtree that led you to HST. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's extremely helpful. Yeah. And uh, another I'd say is adding LinkedIn connections every week, especially others that are active on LinkedIn, other marketers, CMOs, CROs, VPs of marketing, co-founders. Also commenting could be uh, another approach to, to connect with them and have it be warm before reaching out. But LinkedIn, at least as of now, typically favors first degree connections. So if you want to do that networking at scale, having people you're connected to is a is a helpful part there. Yeah. But you know, lastly, I would say don't get too caught up in trying to advance and only focusing on your career. And I'm not saying this to you, I'm just saying it to the audience in general. Like think about what matters most for you in life. In my view, success is not the position you have or the power you have or your wealth. Yeah. Um, and so are you defining success correctly? Are you living by the yeah. values throughout your career process? You yeah. know, don't consider, um, don't compare yourself to others um, in the process. How can you be content and satisfied in where you are today while still striving for the future? Yeah. How do you think about prioritizing relationship and your health outside of work as you look to progress in your career and thinking about where your true meaning and identity in life comes from? It's not in my work. It's, you know, the biggest one is uh, through my faith and that gives a different perspective. So I kind of bucket that all into the remember what matters most um, advice so that you don't get burned out in the process. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, Grant, thanks again for making the time and even dealing with recording snafus that won't make their way onto the episode, but <laughs> before the episode. Um, I've really enjoyed getting to chat and just even take this approach, this kind of layer to our friendship. If our listeners want to connect with you, have a pulse on what you're up to, um, continue to learn from you, where where could they do that best? Yeah, so feel free to reach out to me directly, connect with me on social platforms, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube. Recently started TikTok, see if I 
Oh, uh, keep so posting there. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I also have a personal website. This is grant.com. Amazing. Well, thank you again. And for those of you listening, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. For everyone still tuned in, thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please help us spread the word to other product marketers. Before we leave you to get on with your day, if you want to get involved, here are a few ways you can. If you're a product marketer and you want to come on the show and speak about your day, a specific topic, or your role in general, that's one option. If you want to flex your podcast hosting skills, being a guest host is another. And finally, if you or your company want to spot to an episode, there's a third. Thanks again and have a great morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are.